welcome to the What's Up With Docs podcast, the documentary podcast for all of us. I'm Tony Bell, the creator and host. We do land acknowledgments as a way to honor the ground on which we stand and as a way of giving thanks. Growing up in Georgia, I was surrounded by places with Native American names, but had absolutely no knowledge of the people who were the original stewards of those lands. One of my favorite names to say as a kid was Okifinoki, as in the Okifinoki Swamp. The Okifinoki is one of the largest blackwater swamps in North America. The word is translated from the Hichichi dialect of the Mikasuki language and means land of trembling earth or land of bubbling water in the now extinct Hichichi dialect of the Mikasuki language. The Hichichi dialect was spoken by members of the Creek Confederacy during colonial times. Mikasuki was historically a major language of the Seminole people. Today, it is spoken by fewer than 500 Mikasuki tribe members and many Florida Seminoles. In this episode, I speak with the artist and filmmaker Riskar Buski. In our conversation, we talk about immigrating from Istanbul, where to get great Turkish food in Berlin, discrimination in Germany, and their current project, I've Got the Power. Because I've Got the Power explores how imagination and fantasy can be used as a tool to process and heal grief and be a basis for creating a new reality, this episode's song is Ye Su Akyo's Consistent Fantasy is Reality. Here's our conversation, which was recorded in October 2020. So I always start these conversations off with how we met. Um, and actually, uh, we met thanks to our producer, Renelle. And um, she actually went to Doc Leipzig the year before I did. And when she got back, she was telling me about you and the film that you were working on. And then um, when I found out that I was going to be going to Doc Leipzig the following year, she reminded me that I needed to make sure to try to meet you if you were going to be there. So we met. And we really connected, and I think we, we went to dinner. Did we get dinner or lunch or something like that? Lunch. I, I think it was lunch, yes. It was lunch. Um, and then you told me about your movie. Um, and then we connected later when I was vacationing in Berlin and went for amazing Turkish food with you. And then the following year, we met up again, and um, we did Indian food. <laughs> that time and we met up with your producer and um tell us your producer's name uh, Ekin Çalışır yes um so we met and we really got in depth about your film because you're really progress on it and then when I went to Berlin the following week um we had even more amazing Turkish food <laughs> um so it was just such a pleasure um to get to know you and um I know when Renelle told me about you, I, she was just so excited for like the type of work that you do, you know, and it's been just a pleasure getting to know you over the past few years. And like when I've done my Berlin trips, you've been like an amazing host and it, it really saddens me that I won't be there this year because I'm used to my annual Turkish food in Berlin <laughs> extravaganza. Um, but, you know, I'm so glad we had this opportunity to talk and um, chat up. Um, so I actually just wanted to kind of start with some things I don't know about you. So what made you um, decide to move from Turkey to Berlin? I really want to say before like answering your question, I think uh, you and Ranel, you, you have been really like the most down to earth uh, people I've met in the industry, you know, and uh, you've been also so um, 
like uh, um, encouraging and uh, empowering me since we have met. So I, I, I really appreciate it, Tony. Even, you know, like when um, we were part of this uh, panel about inclusivity and, you know, dynamics of um, the industry and later we were like, hey, we need to, you know, talk about this. And I, I, I really have to say, um, because, you know, the uh, German industry, like Doc Leipzig, although I really like it, it can be a hard place, like if you uh, don't fit in, let me say. Uh, but it, it was for me, like it's it's for me, it was for me, and it is still like you know very important to meet you, and I'm very grateful for all the you know encouragement. Um, oh, you're very welcome. And uh, how I moved to Germany? I live here almost ten years. I'm uh, from Istanbul, Turkey, and uh, it, it wasn't so easy for me in Istanbul. Um, I was uh, like a full-time activist around. Uh, trans rights, LGBTI rights, um, city rights, you know, feminist movements. And um, it's, uh, I, I love this city, you know, it's where I was born. It's, you know, it has a lot of effect on who I am. Uh, it's like a love-hate, it's a, it's a tough place. And economically, uh, it's, uh, it's a hard city for uh, trans people. I have to say, and um, I never went to get diagnosed or I never, you know, changed my papers, changed my name. Um, so it's, uh, you know, the options are limited. I think this is like this all around the world. I mean, it's not so, it's not any different. <laughs> like in uh, Germany, of course, in Germany, it's like, you know, a foreign name or like a foreign passport, you know, they don't really <laughs> look into it but it's still uh, very similar uh, dynamics. Uh, actually, I didn't really, you know, plan uh, to uh, move here. Uh, oh, you didn't? No, back in the day, I was uh, working as an advisor for um, Urgent Action Fund, which is uh, also like a US-based um, NGO uh, doing um, amazing work, doing like international, uh, funding support for uh, emergency cases in terms of like activist security or uh, where, where you have to you know do a rapid response to a you know situation and uh, I've organized a um, retreat for um, LGBTI activists from Turkey and Kurdistan and uh, like uh, together with the Urgent Action Fund and after the retreat, I was like, okay, I need a break. <laughs> I need, because, you know, literally my hair was like falling off. And um, so I, uh, I right, had- Right, and um, I, I just wanted to point out too that um, those, those folks who are engaged in the work of activism, um, one thing that's becoming more um, prevalent Right. Well, there's more awareness being raised around is how activists also need to take time to care for themselves. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and um, sometimes activists struggle with like doing that because they there's like a sense of guilt, like I'm not doing the work, but you can only care for other people as much as you care for yourself. So it's great that you recognize that you need a, a break. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is, it, it makes me remind of a moment where we had during this retreat. Um, mm -hmm. 
one of the activists was uh, we were doing some like body work and uh, she was saying oh i just realized now this meeting is about us you know it's, <laughs> it's not like you know we meet and we discuss about you know legislation hate crime all of this so it's it's mm -hmm. really about us you know like yes. really, but uh, so yeah after this i came i had the visa i came to berlin for three months this was my um initial uh, plan i was like ah oh, you know i take some time off so it's, it was almost like a it's going to be like a little a vacation for yes you. yes yes and, okay uh, it's been 10 years you know a <laughs> <laughs> 10 year vacation <laughs> i mean it, 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 it was i i i wasn't a, i was studying journalism in um istanbul but uh because of you know whatever transitioning my political views i i had a lot of fights with uh, professors and it's a common issue in Turkey. I mean, if you are, uh, I mean, back in today, for example, you couldn't uh, study if you wear a headscarf or, you know, if you were like Kurdish and, you know, openly political, you, you, you got trouble. And I, I had also some trouble. So, I mean, I came to Berlin and I restarted, you know, uh, studying and uh, now I have a degree and also it's, you know, it, it changed. I mean, the, it wasn't, you know, easy like the first years, but... But did you know German when you arrived? I didn't know. I had to take the uh, integration course, what they call it, mm -hmm. which is also um, actually very violent because, I mean, I'm, you know, uh, in comparison young, I could like, you know, learn... German, but it's it's being used as a um, exclusion mechanism for you know people who uh, come and who cannot learn like the German. You know you have to do the test, and um, in the test there are also um, I mean it's very racist. There are questions like uh, so you have a daughter who is twenty one and she has a boyfriend. You don't want the boy like that she's together with the boyfriend, what can you do? So you, A, you beat up the boyfriend, you know, B, you lock the girl inside, C, you force her to marry with somebody else, D, you can't do anything because she's over 18. So you have to, you know? Those are like the choices? Yes, yes. So it's like, it's like you know, to really uh, see who uh, supposedly fits inside the German right. society. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, A, all the white Germans, you know, they are so uh, liberal and so, you know, whatever, Democrats and so, I don't know what. Yeah. It's, uh, it's racist mechanisms, you know, that the mm -hmm. state comes up with to, I don't know what, uh, yeah. <laughs> protect. <laughs> their uh, whiteness yeah yes so this, that's that's what it is so i learned german <laughs> so you <laughs> you learned german the hard way wow so um how long did it take you to in regards to your fluency like do you feel like you're complete you're fluent now because you've been there 10 years i think it depends on the uh, time of the day or something i mean some uh, i i have uh, I'm very fluent, I can say. Many people uh, say I speak very good, mm -hmm. but uh, the society sort of uh, always makes you feel like uh, you don't speak good enough. Right, um, right, right. So I can, I, I think I can express myself uh, totally. Um, and uh, 
sometimes I even, you know, forget my Turkish, like, you know, German word uh, come up. Um, but uh, it, I mean, it depends with whom I'm talking also. If I'm talking with people who also, you know, have uh, like the experience of racism, let's say. So, and uh, they, you know, you, I, I feel much comfortable. And um, currently I'm working for the uh, Berlin uh, Biennale where I'm also like, you know, giving tours in German. And uh, I, I had, uh, I, I just heard uh, there was people who were complaining. And my my boss my no no my boss was saying it's uh, because I had a colleague with me who um, didn't know so much about the um, exhibition but she could like she's from here she's uh, she could speak so they were saying it was like they felt like she knew more and my boss was saying it's totally this idea you know whoever speaks Ger better German, German yeah th that's they the, think the, like they they know better right like, exactly um, mm -hmm. so. I think I'm I'm pretty okay, but um, it's, it's just dealing I, with the perceptions that people I have. Still, of you. Yes, I still feel because I mean Germany is you know it's like society of migration also, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I think migration who have roots like to um, uh, immigrants who have roots to Turkey is like a big majority. Right. And uh, so whenever you know it's. And I don't really quite fit in the picture of what what they think, as you know. And so it's it's always like this thing of, um, I think, as you know, like I I make I create sort of like a insecurity, like with the with the in the white German gaze. Yes. And mm -hmm. that insecurity creates an insecurity with me when right. I, when I speak German. So it's um, it's like this, but uh, yeah. I actually want to go back to your um, time in um, Turkey. And um, so in order to um, prep for these things, I, I look at your bio and, you know, I take what I know about you, then I write up notes and then Renelle and I go over, go over them. And then she adds any additional questions or insights. So we have a really like robust discussion around these things. So we were talking last night and um, she brought up the fact that um, there was a lot of, um, in Turkey, uh, there is a lot of censorship around like LGBTQIA folks and like there at one point there was a closing of um, the film festivals there mm -hmm. and um, this because of the authoritative leadership and then she mentioned um, Zineb Guzel. Yes. Um, yeah and she, Riddell was saying that Zineb Zineb was a, a mentor, is a mentor for you. Yes. So can you just talk about all of that particularly within the 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 landscape of being able to actually be authentically who you are in Turkey. Um, I mean, there is a uh, there is not only censorship around LGBTI issues in Turkey. There is a censorship about everything. So everything in terms of you know there is. Um, uh, I think it's very okay to uh, call it dictatorship, but the moment you know I would call it a dictatorship. I can get um, uh, fined or like uh, prosecuted for ins insulting the president. So there is a huge issue with uh, freedom of expression and um, 
particularly around uh, the LGBTI movement or LGBTI expression, uh, many organizations were uh, attacked. Uh, all the um, like anything LGBTI related was uh, banned in several cities. Also in Ankara, the capital where the Pink Life Queer Film Festival was taking place. So is this I, something that's ongoing or something that happened that was kind of like the impetus of like why you decided to leave 10 years ago? I have to say it got much worse since I left. I mean, when I left, uh, we could uh, go on the street and, you know, do demos. Uh, when I left, there was the pride, you know, running with like thousands of people. Now the pride is attacked since 2015. I mean, we had like uh, more than 10 years like of peaceful pride, you know, like uh, thousands of people, you know, just like peacefully, like not, you know, like protesting, walking, you know, dancing. And um, there is, I mean, since 2000. Uh, 15, the police is attacking it with like tear gas, you know, rubber bullets, very, very, it's, I mean, it's very violent. It's very violent in many terms, you know, also like um, after the Gezi uprising, it was like uh, 2013, um, it got much, much worse also in the eastern part, like the Kurdistan uh, territories. and. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of censorship and it's sort of, um, I mean, it started also uh, with a documentary um, titled Bakur, which means North, and it was about the um, mm -hmm. uh, PKK, the guerrilla camps in like the nor like, uh, northern territory of Kurdistan, which is like inside of uh, mm -hmm. like borders of Turkey. And uh, right. it was in uh, this um, festival and um, apparently there is this law if you want to have like a theatrical release or you know your movie has to be uh, is in a festival you need to get a, a license from the state and you in order to screen yes, it yes and you send your film and uh, and it's totally I mean they just they just started using this to. Uh, censored this film, which was about, you know, the Kurdish uh, freedom uh, movement, um, saying, ah, you know, you didn't get this, you didn't get this license. And even, you know, to get this license, let's say you have original music, you have to send your notes, you have to send your edit, and there is, you know, it's an office, they watch your film, and uh, if there is anything, you know, um, anti-government, they either want you to edit it out, you know, and if you say you don't edit it out, they don't like they they don't give you um, this license. Mm. And uh, Zeynep Güzel, she was um, the um, coordinator of uh, New Film Fund, mm -hmm. uh, which was a uh, I say was because unfortunately it's not existing anymore. It was a fund to um, fund documentaries for Turkish Kurdish. I mean, you know, for filmmakers from Turkey. Like, if you do anything, I mean, not that there is so much uh, state funding, but if you do anything queer, you there is no way you get state funding. Right. If you do anything, you know, a bit uh, in opposition 
to the government. There is, you know, no way you get funding. So it was a new film fund was, you know, uh, a fund to sort of uh, fuel the um, many documentary filmmakers uh, in this geography who uh, do films, you know, with no budget and who do films because, you know, it's part of the movement, it's part of existence, it's part of, you know, keeping our own, like, you know, histories, her stories, you know, like, really, like, uh, it was really, uh, because the, you know, the media is not, you know, going to document, like, any of our struggles. And unfortunately, like, I think the fund existed, like, three, three years or four years, I'm not quite sure. Uh, it, it doesn't exist because the, um, anymore because the um, head of the organization who uh, grounded, sort of, who started the fund, uh, is in jail. In jail for political reasons? Jail for political reasons. And he's, he's like a, a businessman who supports culture. And he's been uh, unlawfully in jail for, you know, so long time there is i mean the there is no like there is no justice system which is you know uh serving justice let me say i mean it's just serving the government so it's uh i mean they don't just um i mean the government they don't just attack um um demonstrators let's say they attack academicians they attack you know filmmakers they attack any sort of like uh culture they they attack you in all of it means yeah so he was um he was supporting all these films these types of that were talking about subjects that don't get funded or recognized in turkey and he's in jail because of that I mean, he's in jail because he was supporting many movements and the fund was also, you know, being funded by uh, many international funders. And because of the political situation, many international funders also left Turkey. Mm -hmm. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, they, they even changed legislations on how, you know, the money arrives from outside of Turkey to inside of Turkey and very, so like many, like open society or like, you know, uh, like they just left and you know anyways I mean it's not you know the money like the the money has to come from someplace and and another thing too is um, because um, you know uh, there are certain countries um, that you know like being in the US I mean, I'm referring to my day job but there are certain countries where because of US sanctions or um, laws that you know, we can't send money to. Yes. You know, like like for example, like currently Iraq and Af Afghanistan. I think this uh, international funding it's a much bigger issue, because sometimes you know, let's say the um, uh, Ministry of whatever International Affairs, they they have their also own agenda under, I don't know, democratization or whatever. So they say, ah, we will fund, you know, these countries, let, you know, and they fund you for five years, let's say. And then they are interested in other countries. So it's, like, it's always a struggle to um, keep these things sustainable. Yeah, the consistency is just not there. 
Yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, when we were uh, having the this uh, second uh, Turkish uh, dinner. dinner in Berlin, yes, I mean we were we were celebrating also. Mm -hmm. We and were because you got some money that night. <laughs> I got I I got this award, and I mean I still have. I told you, I still have some of this money on the side, and I will. I mean, this is one of my biggest dreams. We are. Uh, I think with COVID also, it also got a bit, you know, postponed. But um, we are now currently working on uh, building a fund here, I mean, based in Berlin. So it's going to be a fund for filmmakers that you're creating? It's going to be a fund for uh, women, trans and non-binary filmmakers. For uh, non-fiction, I mean, first of all, from Turkey, because, you know, the funding is not existing. Right. And... Um, just because you know everything is very bureaucratic here we have to start an association and we want to make it very transparent you know how the money comes in how it goes and all that but it's it's in the making it's in the making all right look yeah. at you are paying it for that's awesome that's so great as you know i'm so successful uh, funding my own films. <laughs> <laughs> like let me just give away my money <laughs> i mean i don't know because i was i mean i when like this is this has been my dream, you know, like to make a film fund because I know, I mean, I feel sort sort of, um, I mean, I am privileged to be living in Germany, and I am, you know, it's like uh, somehow I survive, somehow I can find whatever work here it is, you know, it's not that, um, and um, have you decided on a name yet? Uh, it will be Kanka fund. Kanka is like, it means sort of like blood sibling, you know, once you cut your like hand with your friend and you, you put it and it's sort of like referring to the like chosen families, you know, mm. we build in the trans or like, you know, queer families, whatever. And I really want to make it also like individual base, you know, not like, you know, taking money from institutions or something to really like trust on like, you know, like a person to person network. And uh, so, you know, that there are funders here in Germany who would, you know, like just invest some money, whatever if it's, you know, like 50 euros, which is, you know, times 10 almost in Turkey. Exactly. That's a lot of money in Turkey. It's coming. I will, you know, ring your bell again for asking you for other advices, you know, how to make it. And also, I mean, it's not about just, you know, like... Uh, channeling like uh you know like um monetary resources it's mm -hmm. also about like um creating like uh like training programs which was also something the, right yeah like artist development yes and also you know and i was uh giving like a documentary development uh workshop uh during the um, uh, queer film festival like the pink life queer festival this uh january in um turkey with three other filmmakers. And uh, so people, you know, had to fill the uh, the core application. And oh, look like, at you, know, you. okay. <laughs> but then we realized also, you know, people don't know how to write an application. Yes. I mean, how 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 can we, you know, I mean, I, I had to learn it also, you know, it's not like, you know, you are a filmmaker and then you know how to write, you know, the best synopsis. So it's also just, you know, like, saying, okay, you know, first doing like a workshop on how to write an application and then apply to it like with these written applications to the fund. And then you have to choose, but to really like... Um, exactly, exactly. Because it is, it is a different skill set, you know, and as one who, 
whose job is to read applications. I see that all the time. Like the passion for the project rings through is just doesn't come through on the page. So I yes. talk to filmmakers about that and how they can make that happen and how they can like, you know, um, show their passion, but also make this thing, uh, this project appealing for potential funders. I mean, you have read my proposal. But yeah, it was I good. <laughs> It's good, but it's still not, uh, you know, the successful proposal, you know, getting like funding. But it's, I mean, as a person who suffers from it, because I mean, there are great projects. Huh? There are always great projects. There are, you know, amazing directors with amazing ideas. It's it's so hard to get funding, but uh, it's, uh, you know, it's the it's the journey. It's the path. It's the it's the birth suffering like we have to go through. Um, I know during, um, there's a Getting Real conference um, put on by the International Documentary Association. And um, we were chatting back and forth um, during the conversation, like on the back end, which, um, in the typing chat, y'all, <laughs> not talking. <laughs> um, the conversation between Sam Feder and um, Laverne Cox about the film Disclosure. And you were bringing up some like really salient points, and I I would say save it for Saturday. So I just wanted you to just talk about and um, so we can like have this conversation online about some of the things that you um, resonated with um, in regards to that conversation between um, Sam and um, Laverne. And so uh, for those of you who don't know, um, and I don't know how you don't know, but if you don't know, if you don't know, no, okay. <laughs> Um, Sam Fader is a um, trans filmmaker and their latest project is Disclosure um, and it's about the depiction of, of trans folks on screen throughout the history of Hollywood um, and it's on Netflix right now and it's doing incredibly well and it really um, offers a, a lens into the, how the trans community um, has has seen itself through the the gaze of Hollywood and now how it's reclaiming um, reclaiming that image and that perception. I think uh, for me, I, I can say when I uh, watched Disclosure, it was very uh, touching uh, just to see uh, so many trans people, you know, uh, talking, like so many trans people uh, on the um, screen. And uh, I was also, uh, it made me really think because it's, it's really, you know, questioning this thing of how uh, Hollywood, you know, um, uh, representation of trans people uh, affect, um, you know, how, like, you know, trans people perceive themselves and how, you know, the cis society perceive trans people. And I was thinking, okay, how does the uh, American, you know, representation of, you know, the uh, trans, you know, being um, influence uh, the rest of the world? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is, this was sort of also the lens where, uh, um, like, sort of like looking from this direction, uh because um well let me ask you um one question so in turkey um growing up um were you familiar with some of the images 
that you um, that you saw when you watched Disclosure? Like, were you those Hollywood images? How prevalent was that? Some of them, I have to say. I mean, yes, the silence of the lamps, all this, but it was also, um, I think, the more recent uh, um, representations uh, were uh, much more like uh, familiar to me. Like the, let's say the, I mean, I also just, uh, when I saw like, you know, the scenes again, like the, what is it? The Jim Carrey, the detective. Well, like, oh, um, Ace Ventura. Yes. Like, you know, I, I remembered, you know, the scenes. I was like, ah, this film was like this, but it was really, you know, my, like, really from my childhood. And um, of course, like there is, I mean, I have to say it, there is a, like huge American influence. Huh? I mean, not not in just in terms of I mean whatever like whatever is uh, American uh, agenda, it's it's the agenda like in Turkey or all around the world. I don't find it honest in a way. Let's say uh, that uh, I see uh, white Germans um, posting about Black Lives Matter. But I never see them, you know, posting about, you know, Nazi attacks like happening in Germany. You know, the, like, I mean, the one thing for me, what is amazing about this closure is the production model. Like, I can totally relate this to this thing of, I mean, you know, like cis actors, like, you know, playing trans actors and, you know, getting Oscars. And I mean, it's just, for me, it's really listening to like a friend's conversation. You know, it's really like, like listening like to uh, like people uh, putting my feelings into words, but because it's words in English, <laughs> there is like for me, there is this like, um, like I, I uh, instinctively like, you know, like related to my own um, uh, words. What does it mean that this, Film is, for example, you know, it it is uh, translated to Tur Turkish. I mean, for example, one like one thing I'm so 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 happy about is that you know, Pulse is also like in Turkish Netflix, and there is you know the it's dubbed, and there is uh, a trans woman you know doing the dubbing, and it's you know it's woman whom like Seyhan Arman, um, uh, Adrian Bokar are their name, and they are like you know women who have been like in the uh, moment since so many years you know and uh, so for me it this is this is like it's very nice to see that they like they get this job you know and that's intentional so uh, just for our audience um who may not know um sam when um hiring like all the crew for for disclosure chose a, a completely trans crew and that that was intentional. Not only a completely trans crew, when when they couldn't hire, you know, trans folks, they they had people, they made deal with people that they had to mentor trans folks. Exactly. So this is when you know, like when I asked also this question, you know, like how how can we, you know, take this model and it implement it in places where um, I mean, I've been, you know, my first film, I filmed with like a trans and woman-only crew. Now my second film, I'm also filming like this. This is, you know, this is what Kanka Productions is about also. But it's a, it's a struggle, you know, to find, let's say, um, 
cis woman or trans woman, trans, like to do light or to do like, you know, like to do set, to do like, you know, kind of like what Sam, like all this production, what they built. Um, this is, I think, how to really change because I, if you want to change what you see on the screen, you have to change what is behind the camera. I mean, in my humble view, like, you know, uh, made as um, rules. I mean, there are, let's say, uh, security rules around electricity huh, in film sets. <laughs> so you, you got to have also uh, rules to have, uh, you know, enough women in your camera team. For me, like, I really, uh, now, you know, festivals feel so proud for having 50% uh, women directors, <laughs> let's say. But I think it, it's it's not enough, you know. I, I think that, you know, we, you need to check, you know, who, who is the crew, you know, who is driving the cars, who else is, all, like, all the other people, like, behind the uh, camera. And um, I don't know, I don't really believe in quotas because I think, you know, it's then like people like checking boxes. But, but I still think, you know, it's necessary because I, I don't have, um, you know, I want to trust the industry, but somehow it's, I, I feel like I can't, I can't. So, um, but what, what, you know, when I was thinking also about our talk, for example, if, you know, because, uh, if Netflix says, let's say, you know, all the productions that they film in Turkey, you know, you cannot have like a dude-only uh, production crew. If they got all these rules, maybe they have. I don't. I don't know. Huh? I. I don't. I don't want to yet make claims. But so if you know, if really producers have these rules on, you know, who to hire. Uh, that that could be a way to change or you know if funders yes. have you know really like uh, rules and like you know who, which film they fund but not only because you know it's a great story but uh, because it offers a great production model or something uh, I mean that that would be um, there's definitely um, a happening right now in the US like a move towards that some of that is it's all around this piece around accountability. But sometimes, particularly here in the US, you know, those rules may be put on place, but it's, it's a matter, but it's another matter of getting them enforced. That's a whole other thing. But I wanted to bring up, um, I don't even know, I wanted to bring up your comment about Pose and how they got a trans woman to do, a trans Turkish woman to do the dubbing. I really would love to know, I know you probably, we, we, neither one of us know, but the story behind that, because I bet you anything that that was an intentional, that was intentional. And maybe somebody who was working on Pose said, hey, whenever you're dubbing in these other countries, you need to make sure you have a trans person doing this, you know, um, because that just does not happen out of the blue. I mean, I think there is uh, because I'm really thinking of, you know, in terms of like the American influence, because I mean, there is uh, I mean, we celebrate pride, you know, at the end of June. I mean, you know, we don't celebrate pride when there was, you know, uh, trans rights in Turkey. I mean, there was, but you know, it's not our pride. So, but it's a June, like when we have it here in the U.S. Yeah, it's like it, it is. It's a reference to Stonewall, of course. And I mean, there is there is this. I mean, it is also, of course, looking up to, you know, like the the moment, the culture uh, from the states. But it's also very, um, 
much of this, you know, uh, that whatever Western is better or yes, like it's really like this, yes. you know, cultural imperialism also. But there is, I mean, there is the there is the there is the influence uh, in terms of you know um, moments. But it's also really also uh, I think about uh, who is in the uh, position to set the norm, like you know, to set the, to set the knowledge. I mean, even the, you know, the letters, LGBTI, I mean, you know, it's... I know, that. what is that in Turkish? But it's, it's, a, it's a nomenclature that's been adopted around the, around the world, but it's based here. Yes, but and, still, yeah. mm -hmm. still, it's, you know, it's this, it's defined identities, which is, you know, which is defined by whoever, like, you know, sits in their uh, psychiatric office, or you know like there is mm, like the mm. lgbti moment and it should refer to the same thing all around the world but it's it's, it's actually different. it's not like this no because like i mean they're like i mean in pakistan um you know there have always been um well i think they refer sometimes refer to folks as trans but there have always been these folks who like adopted like two there's like a third gender i believe in like pakistan yes and then in yes. native american cultures there's always been this like two spirit uh, it's shameful but i i really don't remember the um name of the film it's a film i saw many years uh, ago about like um uh, older uh, italian uh, queer community i saw it in um like some festival in Berlin, and that there was one guy saying, when uh, LGBT came, it was like you know beton uh, put on like a field of flowers, you know, because everybody was you know like a different flower, different you know like uh, just grass, anything, and then it was you know it was like this LG, you know, you had to be like these things, and um, it's changing. I think how people you know. Uh, define themselves also right right and it's also like about the imagination you know what what can we imagine of even like being uh once we you know because we need to identify like with something because we are being killed so um going back to you know in terms of this relation between like you know the american influence let's say uh and in terms of you know like uh production models or you know like even like now pause i'm like watching it for the second time uh i mean it's it's great you know i cry every episode and i'm really like you know i it's it's uh also my family sort of you yeah know? It's yeah very, you like, see yourself you know yes i see my i totally relate to it but it's also weird uh to know that if I film pause in the Turkish context, mm -hmm. like no American is going to be like in a way of like, you know, they will be like, oh, where is this country? Like, you know, it's just like I feel sometimes the um, the traffic, it's happening one way. It's one way. I, I'm not saying it, you know, I'm I'm also very confused about it. Like, right, yeah. myself. like you see yourself, but then like you want to see yourself. I think somehow it it makes me also sad uh, because um, somehow I feel uh, I mean this was one thing I felt also during uh, getting real uh, that um, I know people like you know are struggling a lot and I know it's very hard also to be like a filmmaker 
in like I think all around the world, but in comparison, you know, there are so many resources in the States. I mean, there is so much culture, there is so much, you know, like uh, knowledge and community and um, it just like uh, somehow it, it makes me sad that uh, I, because as I know, the resources are not, you know, are not there in many of the right. uh, like geographies. There, uh, there are like many, like let's say, uh, like a house of evangelista or like you know house of abundance. You know, yeah, yeah, the all, no, all like the, so the many, ballroom, yeah, all the houses. Yes, yes. Like mm -hmm. So many houses, let's say, who. Uh, are you know like maybe it's not ballroom but it's like another like you know right. or uh, the drag thing. community yeah mm -hmm. yes like mm -hmm. you know something but it's maybe it's not even drag you know it's not like you know because somehow because it's not american it's not worth to be uh you know like a international like tv uh series which one can relate but it's it's inevitable also you know i mean we speak english i mean you know it's like we live in this like post like colonial world where you know it's like you like you know there is like many sorts of like language barrier cultural barrier but somehow like the because the norm is american it's it's uh, accessible i mean you know yeah. you relate to it like you know you um it's kind of it's infiltrated in everything in a way um uh, but it's like your point about um how the influence of American movements in other countries, like that really resonated with me because um, there's a show that I watch, it's Australian like news show um, called Quanda, Q-N-A, so Quanda. And um, I think it comes on like a Mondays, but anyway, I, I have bad insomnia. So sometimes I end up like watching it live, like on, on Facebook. And there was an episode where they were talking about, this is like a few months ago, they were talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, they had like some white politicians and then they had some Aboriginal um, um, artists, um, like an actress and then a, um, a man, a comedian, I can't, and spoken word artist, I can't remember his name. And then there was like a Kenyan Australian woman who, um, and she, and she was an activist, you know, um, and um, an activist against police brutality in um, Australia, because there the African immigrants get it, get the police brutality as well as uh, um, Aborigines. You know, it's like almost it's, it's probably as bad as it is here. It's just we have guns here, you know, um, in the United States. Um, but she said, um, and, and this kind of like um, bolsters your point about the influence of American movements that you know she was well aware of the names of um black americans who have been killed by um police so you know she you know cited um you know um, oscar grant george floyd brianna taylor because that that was in the zeitgeist but um she did not know even though it's like she was working in the field the names of like australian Abor well, aborigines who have been killed by the police and she actually apologized for that you know, like tearfully. Yeah, I mean, your point about the American influence on movements and how it, you you point out you celebrate the Turkish they they celebrate Pride in June, but that's not when um, laws were passed for Pride in Turkey. 
And it's like, wow, like what is, I mean, that's that to me, that's just, that's just fascinating and profound. And um, like these movements that start in the US uh, kind of like, I think in some ways um, often bring awareness to um, a, a people who are, who can relate in other countries, but then like our way of doing it is adopted versus kind of incorporating that into like your unique way of doing it. You know, I'm very happy about the influence. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, now, you know, we live in this global world, you know, yes. we, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have to influence each other, you know, we, we do, we do anyways. And I mean, I have to say there is like also, for example, like, you know, very long time existing, like Afro-German movement and, uh, you know, in like, you know, response of uh, it's uh, now like all the um, uh, currently happening, the Black Lives Movement, there was also, you know, like, like racist street names, which was like changed in Germany. I mean, so there is, I mean, I'm so happy, you know, people were like uh, putting down like, you know, this colonial masters, like statues of like whatever Christopher. I mean, this is amazing. This is great. Like this statue taking down thing. I was so happy about this. You know, I was like, with every picture I see, I was like going, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. But uh, somehow, like, you know, because uh, I know like uh, other struggles, you know, they don't re receive like the same, um, uh, like international support. This is like, this is the, like, when this is happening, I mean, during, I, for sure, you know, the Turkish police killed so many people, <laughs> like, during all this time, I mean, they were like killing like some Syrian refugees, like I was seeing, and, you know, no protests, no news, nothing happens. I mean, it's, I think, just good to question, you know? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. What we give our attention to and what, what doesn't receive any attention, yeah. I mean, it makes me think about um, where, you know, you, you talked about it being like really like this, almost like this one-way street. Um, but, mm -hmm. And I was thinking about what are the ways where it's going the other way. And like, particularly in the context of the U.S., uh, when I think about it, it's like a very long time ago, because, you know, I'm, I'm, my first thing that came to mind was like, um, how the teachings of Gandhi influenced um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And then right, at right around the time of around um, civil disobedience, you know, which was, you know, the heart of the civil rights movement, but also right around the time of the civil rights movement. Um, and, um, you know, there were all these in Africa and also, also in, you know, in India and other Asian countries, there was this, um, liberation movement as all these countries were getting their independence so there was a lot of dialogue between you know black folks here and like and folks in those other countries about um colonialism um and you know people trying to uh, work with each other to establish tools to um end colonialistic practice and in fact before they killed malcolm x he was actually preparing to go to the UN to present a case of uh, the UN about human rights violations against, well, we were Negroes that, back then um, in, in America before they killed him. Um, so your movie is called, I Got the Power. It's about grief uh, and the exploration of grief. Um, so tell us, tell us about it and why, why did you choose the topic of grief? I had so many friends dying. I think I've I've seen also there is like 
so much death in our uh, community. I mean, in our community, I mean by like, you know, different intersectional uh, communities. That, um, and I realize uh, because it's so much of it, um, we, uh, and even, you know, we die, uh there is like somehow this the, the state or like you know like the general public doesn't let us grieve like you know we can't i mean it's not that we are dead because of natural reasons but you know like even if if there is death there is no peace you know and um it it became um issue for me and um I've uh, lost like uh, three friends like in very short time and who were also like um, avant-garde like activists, comrades in the um, LGBTI moment. And um, one of them, Zelish Deniz is her name. She would, uh, she would sing this song, which is um, originally it says like, uh, I have sorrow, you have my cure. And she would always like sing it as like, I have sorrow, I have the cure. And she was like, you know, like feminist lesbian in many different, you know, like social movements and also like, you know, making all these like bonds between movements. And somehow like, uh, it's now funny to call it magical, but just after, you know, I, I laid her in the grave, like with another friend. And uh, just after we buried her, there was this moment, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't leave the graveyard. And uh, like a, a friend, uh, actually the friend who is dubbing Elektra uh, said, uh, Seyhan said, uh, let's, let's sing a song. And uh, another friend, Bade, like she started singing the song Zelish was singing, you know, the, you got, you got sorrow, uh, I got sorrow, I got cur. And as if, you know, because this, this was, you know, Zelish would sing it all the time, like during demos, during, you know, like meetings, like in, you know, just, she would just start singing it, you know, like in the most bizarre, like moments and you would be like, Zelish, why now again? And um, so we just, as if we have, you know, like uh, really like prepared this moment or like, you know, rehearsed, all of us started singing this like together. And somehow, you know, we were there like in like really or like worst day, like standing and singing like, you know, like and really like screaming, you know, in the middle of the uh, graveyard, like this song. Um, and really, you know, like grieving in our like own way, like in the in the like space we had this. This was like also like a crazy moment for me to see, okay, you know, like Zelish, she built this community, like she brought these people, she she gave the song like uh, to this, uh, like to us, to our community and um, and somehow like I, I, I mean, the film is sort of like my grieving also, I needed like also being away, you know, like of course, like I like uh, I went there for the, like, just after I heard, you know, the other day I bought a plane, like, um, like, to really, I realized, you know, we don't, like, it's really hard, like, you know, to talk about that, to talk about, you know, how we feel and to give, like, um, space. And even, like, you know, like, 
we had like a rainbow flag and a purple flag on top of like Zelish's, um, how you say, casket. And a couple of days later, like a police came to her parents' house uh, to question them if she was a terrorist or something, you know, like why, why there was this flag. So, you know, like somebody's dead, but you don't even have peace, you know, police comes, you know, like what if she was a terrorist, you know, she's dead. I mean, what, you know, I can give like so many examples of like, you know, like uh, state attacks, you know, where, you know, like it's even, I mean, your friend dies, you know, the family doesn't come to pick up the body and because you're not family, you know, it ends up in like a no name, like graveyard, you don't even know, like so many things. So it's, um, I mean, I just started like talking with my team about, you know, like, I mean, which, who are all like, you know, part of the uh, movement. Yes, we decided to do a film to talk about um, grief because uh, we needed it. Ruskar's commitment to their Turkish, trans, and non-binary community and their art is rooted in a deep sense of fairness and a need for justice. Ruskar also challenges us to question cultural imperialism in its many forms. Whether this is looking at stories and people as commodities to be traded for funding, accolades, and awards, embracing and marching in movements in other countries without addressing the ways the exact same problems exist within one's own, or assuming that a particular identity, as it is defined in one part of the world, is the same everywhere. Of course, everyone sees the world through their own experience. However, it takes a certain level of arrogance to assume that one's own experience is the only experience. So be open and willing to challenge yourself and your assumptions, particularly if you are from a dominant group. Because maybe, just maybe, those folks who had to decide if and how to negotiate around your privilege have better insight into you and your culture than you do. Stay tuned for our next episode with Firelight Media's Chloe Wallace-Walters and our festival collaboration episodes called What's Up with Docs At, which will be available in February 2021. And we will launch the new season in April 2021. Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. Visit our website at whatsupwdocs. And make sure to sign up for our mailing list to get the latest show news. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at What's Up W Docs. Again, that's What's Up W Docs. And remember, keep telling your stories. Today's program was hosted by Tony Bell and produced and edited by Ronell Schubert. Music is by Sierra Thomas.